0: Good morning. morning. Delighted to be here with you. Delighted to be with you online. Everybody in the room, what a great thing to be able to stop, hit the pause button, relax, allow ourselves to be drawn into the presence of God. That's what we're doing here this morning. I hope that's what happens to you. As Kathy said, We're in the business of trying to have a real relationship with God and with each other, a real relationship with Jesus Christ. And what happens when that happens is our lives are transformed, our church families transformed, and we're out there transforming the community by loving people the way Jesus did. That's what it's all about. And we're here talking about 40. And the reason is because we're in the season of Lent. Not all people who've been Jesus followers even know what that is, but Lent is a season on purpose to think about the 40 days between Lent starting Ash Wednesday and Crucifixion. Friday slash Easter Sunday, Resurrection Day Sunday. So if you do the math from Good Friday, I mean Ash Wednesday, which was February 22, and you go all the way to Easter Saturday, it adds up to 46, but you take the Sundays out. So if you're wondering how the math, it's not that we don't know math, we do. So we've been kicking around 40, and that's what inspired us. And what we just said, which you saw on the screen, was somehow God's kind of go-to number to make new things happen to sort of launch some life-changing kinds of thing. It seems to be, it wants to be 40. Oftentimes, it's 40 days. Today, we're going to talk about 40 years, though. But again, we're going to see at the end of this 40 years, a new thing happens, and it's an awesome thing. It's a life-changing thing. And so that's what we've been talking about. And we're going to get started by this, asking a question. And for, for some of you, you may think listening to me is like trying to drink a drink of water out of a fire hydrant. And I understand that. However, I'm going to try to say things that give you some ways to go, but also make it as clear and as straightforward as possible so that you can digest it. And so here here I want to show you a screenshot. And this is about 40 years, remember. This is a screenshot, and this is going to Google Maps. Every single one of you can do it. And at Google Maps, asking the question, just picking Egypt, because that's where the people of Israel, the people of God, that's where they are right now when we start today. And we're going to walk This, You know, Google Maps, you can walk. We're walking from Cairo, look at it, to Jerusalem. Now, the people of Israel weren't in Cairo technically. I think they were just a little north of there, but give me a break. You know, I'm just doing my best here. So how long does it take to walk 350 miles? Ah, I'm going to let you go really slow. A month. Now, remember, 40 years Month. You could crawl from Cairo with knee pads, from Cairo, I guess with hand pads. You could crawl from Cairo to Jerusalem. I'll give you five months, six months. You could get there. So the question we're exploring this morning is, and you may not know this, but the people of Israel, having been enslaved in Egypt by a nasty, brutal, genocidal, uh, 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 genocidal um, king, They were enslaved to him. it took them 40 years to get from Egypt to the eastern Mediterranean. Why? Why did it take so long? That's the question we're asking, and that's the question we're going to answer. Take a look at the way that we're going to get at it. Terms of the covenant. That's how we're going to get at it fits, what are you talking about? What I mean by this is, is that we are related to God. God made promises to us. God made promises to these people. And the promise that God made we're calling a covenant. It's a contract and a relationship. In other words, God says this, I'm going to love you. I'm never going to stop loving you. Every single one of you has a past. Your past does not cancel my love. I don't care what you did. It does not cancel my love. You cannot cancel my love. I hope that's clear. Chesed is this fantastic Hebrew word. We've kicked that one around the last couple of weeks if you were here. Chesed, I'm not going to go through that one again today. But it's covenant love, never-ending love. And never, uh, everlasting love, lots of different ways in English to try to get this fantastic Hebrew reality over. The way that God loves us is covenant love, chesed love, and God makes a promise. He says, I'm going to love you forever. And he says, and here's what's going to happen. In this real relationship with me and with each other, your life is going to be transformed, and I'm going to love you. And other, the Bible sometimes says, bless you. And then you're going to be a blessing to everybody else. And you hear me saying this all the time in First Presbyterian Ease. We are getting deep and rich and in nourishment and encouragement and love and transformation from God. Not so I get mine and I hold on to it. No, 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 no. So that we can blow out there into our community and love people who don't know they're loved. That's the covenant. So God, and it started a long time ago. Page 12 of the Bible. Genesis chapter 12. God says that this dude named Abraham, who doesn't know God from the side of the barn, he said, dude, I've picked you. And Abe's going, what? And God shocks him into, in a loving way and says, I'm going to use you, and I'm going to make you a big old family, and your big old family is going to be the family I'm going to use to make the whole world know that they're loved. Same thing I'm saying about first press, because we're a part of that big family now. But that's what he says to Abraham. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, 2, and 3. I'm going to make your family so big that they're going to be as numerous as the stars in the sky. That's how big they're going to get, right? Well, this Abraham family, and and God says, okay, and and not only that, I got a place for you. I got land for you. So he hauls Abraham off from whatever it would be modern day, Iran or that, and he says, come west, young man. And west he goes, and he ends up in the eastern Mediterranean, what you and I today know as Israel, Right? I'm gonna give you this land and there you're gonna grow and you're gonna you're gonna make every you're gonna show me off because of the way I love you. You're gonna love each other and the whole world's gonna see it, you're gonna go love people. That's that's the deal. And the terms of the covenant is what's at stake here. When I ask the question, why did it take 40 years? The answer is gonna be like any relationship, when it collapses, bad stuff happens. The terms of the relationship will never be violated by God, but dude. They always seem to get violated by us. Everybody has a past. They had a past. I have a past. You have a past. But the love of God cannot be canceled. I do not care what you've done. Let's pause for a minute and reflect on that. What's this guy's name that just got sentenced yesterday or the day before? Murdoch or something like that? Honestly, I didn't watch. I really didn't, but I know he murdered his wife and one of his kids or something like that, right? You may find it hard to believe, but Jesus died for that man. And that man, if he will enter into the terms of the covenant, it doesn't cancel the consequences of his behavior. I'm not saying we let him out, that's not what I'm saying. But he can be in a loving covenant relationship with the almighty God of the universe through the death and resurrection of Jesus. I'm telling you right now, that's what's going on. He violated the terms of the covenant. Whether he knew that's what he was doing or not. So you think you've got to pass, compare to him and realize, oh no, I'm good. You are good. He's good. But only inside the terms of the covenant. We have to say yes and surrender. Well, the people forgot that. Here are the terms of the covenant that were forgotten by the people, here they are. Throw them up on the wall for me there. Here they are. I'm sorry. Here they come. There. No, no, not that. The slide that says Deuteronomy 6, 4, and There we go. You ready? Here are the terms of the covenant. This is from 55,000 feet. This is how you and I and how those people are supposed to respond to God. You with me? First, a declaration about who God, who God is. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. That's about God. And now look what happens next. Here it is. Here's what you are being beckoned, reached out to, implored, nudged. I don't care what your past is. Here it is. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength. Can I sit down on this text just for a minute and give you a little Hebrew? Is that all right? You good with that? You good with that online? Nobody knows any Hebrew. Most of mine is forgotten, but oh, this is so good. Let's just, we're going to look at four words. Uh, Should I sing in Hebrew the first half of it? All right, so before I do that, I'm going to sing. I can't help myself. Kathy, jump in. So, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Here it is. It's six words in Hebrew. Shema Yisrael. Hear, O Israel. Adonai, the Lord, Eloheinu, our God. Adonai, the Lord, God is one. You with me? Shema Israel, Adonai, Eloheinu, Adonai, Chachad. Ah, I, I just spit on the communion element. <laughs> We don't use gutturals in English, but you use gutturals in Hebrew. But those aren't the words I want to tell you. I just want you to know that I learned to sing that a long time ago from a professor who was teaching me the history of Israel and also the Hebrew language. Back to verse 5. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Hebrew word lave. It would be L in English and then maybe EY like hey. The E-Y sound, A, and then B slash V, lave, heart. Love the Lord with your heart. And then the word, love the Lord with your soul. In Hebrew, the word is nephesh, And love the Lord with all your strength, me'od in Hebrew. So let me tell you what those mean. In the ancient world, people didn't know... What was going on inside of here? In other words, there's this thing inside of here, and when they, in their, their brutal cultures, when they whack somebody's head open or whatever, they saw stuff in there, gray matter. They had no idea that th- they thought all of this was just something pretty you put a hat on. And you can laugh, but that's what they thought. You put a crown on it, you put a hat on it, you adorn it, whatever. They, th- if they didn't know the gray matter in here was where we did cognition, where we made decisions, where we reasoned. Guess where they put it? Why? Because in the brutality of life, when you cut somebody open, here's where this life source comes from, blood. So in the the understanding of anatomy in the ancient world, including the ancient Hebrew world, the word heart is the seat of reason, of cognition, of commitment, of decision-making. And also you could throw in affection. Down here is a little more where they would talk about where emotion took place in your guts. Up here is where we thought and decided and reasoned, etc. So when we say to Israel, hear Israel, listen, pay attention. This is how you live through the covenant. Love God with your heart. It means everything you have in terms of commitment and cognition and decision making. And the passion connected with all that. You with me? Make decent sense. Okay. Leave that text back up there if you would, please. There we go. Beautiful. The next word, nefesh, with your soul. It's really unfortunate. I, 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 I know that I'm the the firehose going on right now. Nefesh, in the Hebrew word nefesh, and it comes over to English soul. Let me tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean what every single one of you thinks it means, which is this amorphous floating spirit, kind of Casper the Friendly Ghost, that kind of doesn't gets unconnected from your body and just lives forever does mean that. There's nothing in the Bible that says we have this thing in us that isn't a part of our physicality that exists forever. It doesn't say that. The Bible doesn't say that. Now, you may be looking at me and saying, Fitz, you're nuts. Read it. The Bible says physical eternity, a renewed heaven and earth, like the beginning, the Garden of Eden. Those are physical people. Jesus ate after his resurrection. Nephesh, you know, the fundamental meaning of nephesh is throat. The Bible says, "I was thirsty in my nefesh." So, what is what's the what's what's Deuteronomy six, chapter five of chapter six, verse five supposed to mean? Nefesh is my whole physical self, and you can connect that to lave heart, but it's about my myself, my full person, which is the opposite of a formless thing that sort of floats off. You with me? I know that's hard to take in, but trust me, it means right now everything I got is all in. The third one, strength. It's not actually in the text. That's, I don't know if you know the grammar, but strength is a noun, right? It's not a noun in Hebrew. It's an adverb, me'od, and it means very much. So love me with your heart, your seat, your emotions, your cognition, your decision-making, your commitment, your passion, your full self, and do it very much. How are we doing? Those are the terms of the covenant. And you have a past. Doesn't matter. How does God want you to love him? With everything you have. Leave nothing out. This is the Bible's way of saying all that you are. And it's an affirmation of the physicality of the universe and our existence and that God's going to make the physical universe over again and renew it just as he renews us in a real transformation because of a real relationship. All of that is a way of saying these are the terms, but man, did the people of Israel and do we blow it. So that's what comes next. Why? Remember the question, why did it take 40 years? It's because they walked away from the covenant in its terms. Think about marriage for a minute as a covenant. Would you mind getting me a bottle of water? Fighting off just a little bit of a cold. Marriage. What are the terms of marriage? Thank you, my dear. Did you notice the terms of marriage? (laughs) I said jump. She said how high on the way up. (laughs) Two, two terms, there are probably more than two, but two that come to mind. Two terms of the covenant. One is fidelity, and you know what I mean by that. But let's talk about the second one, which we've introduced last month, but which is important, vital. Serving the other. Put self's interest behind, behind, beside, serve the other. Those are just two. It's relational. You know that you are personally responsible to your spouse. And you want to be, if you're loving your spouse with everything you got, you feel a sense of personal responsibility to them and to your covenant relationship. And I think marriage is probably the best analogy or metaphor or illustration of God's covenantal love. So those two terms, there could be other terms. I'm not saying that's exhaustive, but that's just two terms. And so in the same way, we are personally responsible to God and we should want to be says the term of the covenant. Love him with everything you have and try to live the way God wants us to live. Why? Because it's all in kind of relationship, covenant. Nothing can cancel God's love for us. But man, do we cancel on God all the time. So look at the history of Israel. (coughs) Abraham, remember I told him, little teeny dude, we had ourselves a famine in Israel. Abraham and his, they, Abraham's sons and grandsons says, it's, Abraham is deceased, but Abraham says, the sons and grandsons say, we got to get out of here. There ain't nothing to eat. So the little clan moves from the 353 miles. It only took them six or eight weeks. They come with camels and animals and stuff. Next thing you know, they're in Egypt. Everything's going great, and guess what they did? They did what God said they were going to do in Genesis chapter 12. They prospered. They go from a small little clan to over a million people. In the first, the king of Egypt called Pharaoh was good with them, but a new king came in, he hated them. And he was a murderous, infanticide-inflicting pig, precursor to Hitler. That's what he was. He redefined good and evil so as to kill baby boys two years old and younger to satisfy whatever he thought was best for him. That's what this guy did. The people of Israel are enslaved in their... Grumbling, go, oh God, where are you? And God says, I got this. I hear you. Rescues them with a guy named Moses, crosses the Red Sea, separates the waters. A miracle, right? Through they go. The Pharaoh and his army chase them. Bam. So you don't like all the killing and stuff, but guess what? They were busy. The Egyptians were busy killing people, and now they get killed. It's just in the way of the ancient war world. Here, however... Is the way that the people of Israel responded, having already been through the rescue of the Almighty God, they start grumbling. They get they get they still got the mud on their shoes from going through that riverbed, I mean the, the lake bed, and they start grumbling. And here's what God says to them. I'm gonna read through all this. I'm not gonna hit you with a whole bunch of words. I'm just reading through it quickly. Basically, this this says, You people, you forgot that I rescued you, and I'm going to let you live with the consequences. Watch this. But you were unwilling, says God, to the people of Israel to go up, that is to go up to serve God and love God. You rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. You grumbled in your tents, and you said stuff like this. The Lord hates us, so he brought us out of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites. That's some enemy to destroy us. Remember, they were rescued, and now they're grumping because they got a new challenge in front of them. They just grumble, grumble, grumble. Everybody has a past. Where can we go? They're saying we're in trouble. That people are going to hurt us. Our brothers have made our hearts melt away in fear. People are stronger and taller than we are. This is up against the wall of a a place where they're going to have to go in and and win a battle. Cities are large. The walls are up to the sky. And we even saw the Anakites there, bad guys. Then I said to you, that is Moses said to you, don't be terrified. Don't be afraid. The Lord your God who is going before you will fight for you as he did before in Egypt. But they don't hold on, they bail. Before your very eyes, God will do this. And here out in the wilderness, and you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a father carries a son all the way you went until you reached this place. In spite of this, this unbelievable rescue, catastrophic disobedience and abandonment of the terms of the government by the people. In spite of all of this, you didn't trust the Lord your God who went away with, on the journey. Fired by day, a fire by night, and a cloud by day to search out places for you to camp and show you the way you should go. God never left them, but they bailed. Why did it take 40 years? Here's why Deuteronomy, verse 135. No one from this evil generation shall see the good land I swore to give your ancestors. In other words, God loves, God will not force Himself on us. He said, You don't want to trust me. You want to grumble, you want to gripe, you want to complain. Yeah, I get it. It's tough. That's why I rescued you. It's really life is hard. But you—it's your choice to go all in with me, love me with all your lay of your heart and all your nefesh, your yourself, and to do it mayoed very much. Your strength—that's what I want from you. But you bailed on me. You violated the terms of the covenant. Here's what God said: Okay, I'm gonna let you live with the consequences. God, we are not puppets on a string. God loves the people. I think it's fair to say that God hurts when people won't live in the fidelity to the covenant and their lives end up not going well. But God says, live with the consequences. All you people who've been grumbling, guess what I'm going to do? I'm not going to let you reach the promise, which is the promised land. The promise was, I'm going to give you the land back. It's flowing with milk and honey it's unbelievable. You know what that means? It means there's all kinds of great fruit trees, all kinds of pasture land, all kinds of vines where you can grow f- uh, grapes, all kinds of trees where you can grow olives, all kinds of places where bees can make honey, cat pasture, et cetera. It's, it's a great place, unbelievable place to grow stuff. I'm giving it to you. But you said not on in. So what? The, the, the practical thing is God let the generation who was grumbling, out there wandering around for 40 years. He says, all right, you're gonna, you don't want to go? You don't want my gift? I'm not, okay, you don't get it. You're going to all die, and your kids will get it. And that's what happened. The kids, the kids who were born and grew up to be 20 and 30-year-olds, they're the ones that got to go into the promised land. So God just said, the reason it took 40 years is because of you. You said, I want out of the covenant. You don't want to live in it. And God said, all right, I'm begging you. Trust me. And they kept saying, nope. They kept grumbling. They kept griping. They kept complaining. It goes on and on and on and on. This is kind of bad news, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's the human condition. We're frail. We're broken. We're fallen. And now some of you are saying, man, I, why did I come here today? But see, the thing is, is we have to tell the truth about who we are in order to understand the power of this chesed love that's in place cuz we're never not going to be inclined to break the terms of the covenant the terms of the covenant the default setting for humanity beginning on chapter on page 3 chapter 3 of the book genesis the first book in the bible the default setting for us is i know god I don't want to live anymore in the terms of the covenant, which is just to trust you. And particularly to trust you to tell me how to live and what's good and what's not good. And if I trust you, I get to eat from the tree of the fruit of life. But if I'm going to trust me instead of you, I don't get to eat off that tree anymore. That's, that's what happens to us. We default there. Here's, here's the way that it works for me. You ready? I'm not going to go. I'm going to spare you the grimy details. But here's where I am. You know what my default setting is? I want what I want when I want it. It impacts everything I do. I don't even want to be the person that wants what I want when I want it, but I still want what I want when I want it and have to catch myself. So maybe you want what you want when you want it, and maybe you don't quite know quite how to deal with it. And that's why we have 40 days between now and Good Friday, which was really Bad Friday, but it's good because the default setting is addressed. If you can't tell online, I'm pointing at the cross, it's empty. But the death of Jesus is the way the terms of the covenant can continue on. We are over and over and over again forgiven by a living God. And so here we are. By the way, you may think you would have done differently if you were one of those people in israel ah. <laughs> if i'd have been there it would've taken me 40 years too i'm just just jump, come aboard don't don't be in denial here she was the queen of denial we ain't talking about no river in egypt country music songs anybody know it ah. that is not in my notes you and i would have we have taken 40 years also so don't look down at them as if, oh, God, couldn't they see it? Oh, that, That's the point. On page 3 of the Bible, Genesis chapter 3, the human being says, I want to do it my way and playfully like a child. I want what I want what I want. It. But let's think about spiritual growth. I'm growing into a person who begins to see that our family of faith is a place where instead of wanting what I want what I want, I invest me and try to do it without self-interest so that we together can go and do the good that God wants us to do. So that's a way of measuring maturity. Will I give of me to them so that we can go and us go and do it? In in marriage, Kathy and I are observing our 45th wedding anniversary two weeks... From- That's a four in the tens column and a five in the ones column. You know what I'm saying? 45. Now, she's only 43 years old, so I don't know how this works. <laughs> and I want you to know that, like the people of Israel trying to keep the terms of the covenant, and like your relationships in marriage, ours is just like yours. But we're, we're still here because we, we've, we've just, God is a grinder. God grinds away at saying, I love you, I love you, I love you. And we've ground away at it, you know. And marriage is a covenant. It's both a contractual thing, but it's a relationship thing. And so we have terms of the covenant. In the terms of the covenant, Kathy and I have, we've, we work at it. I guess a third term of the covenant is work out your differences. Figure out how to solve the problems. So we, we've done that. We're doing that. We have to keep doing it. So some of you have been married longer. Some of you shorter. Some of you are in second marriages Everybody has a past, and there's no God. Jesus Christ died for you and died for me to love you so that we can can do this together. I'm going to challenge you. This is what I want to do. There's something in your life that's blocking you from a real relationship and real transformation. There's something in your life, I'm almost certain of it, That's in the way of you being able to fulfill the terms of the covenant with the God who loves you and will never quit loving you. I'm gonna rattle off a few things that might be there. It could be financial irresponsibility, it could be something in your marriage, it could be porn, it could be a substance, it could be your thought life. You're choosing to go somewhere and you know you shouldn't be going there, it could be something about your job. And trust me, friends, this is, I am not judging. Oh, Lord of mercy. If if I judge anybody through that list, I'm judging me. It's not that, it's descriptive. It is the way, we're fallen people, frail people. And here's the challenge. Whatever the one thing is, and if there's more than one, pick one. Here's the challenge. Tear it down. Destroy it. Why? So that you can flourish in the never ending, hested love of God, who wants nothing more than to, to, than to restore you and restore me in spite of the catastrophic rebellion, catastrophic rebellion that is a part of who I am, who's a part of the people of the Israel, Israel world. Why do they wander around for 40 years? Because God let them live with the consequences of their decision. They said, we don't want in. They said, okay. It breaks his heart. And God wants you and me in. In the terms, they're just so rich. And you want them. But there's stuff in our way. Get rid of it. Let me step to the table. Here you have it. You're going to hear the words from the people that serve you. The body of Jesus. The bread of salvation. The blood of Jesus new life the cup of new life the body of jesus the bread of salvation the cup of jesus the cup of new life the blood of jesus this is by the way not wine this is grape juice and we have gluten-free wafers here and in a few minutes someone's going to tell you how to come forward. Let me, let me make a suggestion to you. This is a request. It's always loud in here. We have loud music. This is what I want you to do. A term of the covenant for the day. I want you to enter into silence. Right now. The only thing I want you to hear is the words that you hear from the person that serves you. I don't, let's not hear any other words. And what do we do with the silence? Maybe you stop in your mind and in your lave and you start to tear it down. Maybe you pray for somebody as you watch them and you know there's a need in their life and you see them get up out of their seat. But in silence, go to a place where you're present with God. Allow yourself to be fed and nourished with the bread of life, the bread of salvation and the cup of new life. Renew the terms of the covenant. That's the meaning of what's happening here. Jesus died for us. Jesus bled for us. He's beckoning us back. Forget about the past. It's forgiven. That's the beauty and the power of this message that's here. So if the elders who are going to join me and Kathy would come forward now, the ushers are going to direct you from... Uh, from, where, from the back to the front to come forward. Find yourself refreshed and renewed in your lave, in your nefesh, and in your ma'od. I'm going to pray and then we will be finished this morning I invite you to nurture in your heart how it is that you really do want to love the almighty enthroned God of the universe with everything you have your lave, your nefesh and do it with very much ma'od. let me pray for us gracious God we love you we hear you and we want to love you with all of our heart and all of our self, our soul and all of our strength. We renew the terms of the covenant and you feed us. You empower us. You take up residence in us because of the resurrection. Help us to tear it down whatever it is that's in the way that's blocking real connection, real relationship with you or with somebody and blocking real transformation. Help us find our way in our own life to toss aside I want what I want when I want it and to renew the covenant in some way. You will will show it to us. And we are deeply grateful and we live our lives and respond with gratitude. In the name of the King who sits on the throne and loves us, Jesus. Amen. Renewed people, go in peace to love and serve the almighty God of the universe, whom we know in Jesus.